Um, anyway, it does seem, doesn't it, that um, the world is reeling from one scene to the other. You know, we had COVID, and now I hear that it's coming back, and that's not very, it's very good. Environment, financial, energy crisis, and then, of course, what's really on our hearts and minds is the utter tragedy of a pointless war in Ukraine. And I've been thinking, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, who can help us? What can help us? Where are the leaders? Where is the church? Where is God? And I'm sure, like me, I, I've just been so moved by the bravery and courage of the incredible Ukrainian president. What a man, um, Volodymyr Zelensky. At last, a true hero, a true leader. But, you know, there's countless of thousands of other brave people in Ukraine and it has to be said, in Russia, that are standing against the regime. And, uh, you know, you kind of think, how would you react, how would I react, if, if I went to a peaceful protest and I thought, the possibility is I'm going to be rounded up in prison, possibly tortured. So, you know, you kind of think, when the tests of life come, will we be found wanting? And it's comforting to know, I think, that Jesus loves us, warts and all, and uh, I, I'm happy to know that. So I've called this good news in a time of crisis. I hope I don't kind of over-promise and under-deliver here. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, what are we like in a time of crisis? I've had a few, I just had one. Um, you know, I, I love the Apostle Peter. Who loves, who yeah, loves Peter? Love yeah, Peter's a great man. Um, ordinary bloke, a fisherman, but he was hand-selected for an extraordinary mission. He was human, after all. Um, very brash, very impulsive, uh, outspoken. He was like the typical alpha male and uh, a natural spokesman. His original name was Simon, but Jesus said, you're Peter, you are the rock. And at times he, he seems anything but rock-like. Um, he seems like a reed more than a rock. Now, who works in school? Who's yeah. a... Yeah. So I don't know whether you use this. We did at Winchmore, but I don't know if we still, still do. Um, I should know that, really. But we use the acronyms WWW and EBI. Anybody know what they mean? Not World Wide Web. What went well? Thank you. Ethan Betty. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There's a true teacher. So what went well and even better if. So if Dan was marking Pete's homework, what went well? Um, what went well in Peter's life? And I think, you know, what an amazing guy. He obeyed the call of God. He was part of Jesus in the circle. He was there at key events such as the Transfiguration. He walked on water after Jesus, obviously. Who else has said, you know, anybody here walked on water recently? No takers. Um, and he had an incredible revelation of who Jesus was. Jesus said, who am I? Who do, who do people say that I am? They said, oh, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets. And then he said, who do you say I am? And it was only Peter that said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How amazing. What a great moment. I bet Simon felt, you know, disciple of the months kind of thing. Um, so that was what went well. But even better if... When Jesus started to say, you know what, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and before that I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be humiliated, and so on. And, and Peter takes him aside and he says, far be it from you, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And so he came between Jesus and his mission. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Suddenly, 
disciple of the month kind, kind of goes totally pear-shaped. You are an offence to me. And then on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to his disciples, tonight all of you are going to desert me. And Peter says, even if everyone else deserts you, I'm not going to desert you. I'll never desert you. And Jesus says, even this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. <laughs> but we know the end of the story. So after Jesus was arrested, they go into, um, and he was taken off to the high priest's home. And Peter and John followed into the garden, and they were warming themselves by the fire. And a servant girl looked over and thought, she said, you, you were with him? And he said, no, no, don't know the man. And then shortly after, another, another servant girl said, you were with him? And he said, no, no, I, I wasn't. And then finally someone said, they picked up his accent, which was a giveaway. I don't know what they sounded like, maybe like a scouser or something. I don't know. But, um, but finally someone said, this, you must be one of them. You're a Galilean. And this is what Peter says in Luke. Um, this is reported. He said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. That was his moment of crisis, and he failed. Um, and at, just at that moment, Luke reports that at that precise moment, Jesus, I guess he was being taken from the, from the house into the courtyard. And just as the cock's crowing, it says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine You've just denied Jesus, and then that happens. So Peter ran out, weeping bitterly. At the moment of extreme stress, Peter had a meltdown. His character didn't stand up to the test. He was brokenhearted. He wept bitterly. And I think he reached a crisis point that night. I think he probably thought, I'm never going to get over this. Jesus will never use me again. But that's not the end of the story, praise God. So that's good. So we fast forward. So I'm running you through now. We're going to go to Saul, um, a Pharisee who hated Christians and persecuted them. But as we know, one day Saul was knocked off his horse, donkey, camel, whatever it was. And he had a vision. He saw Jesus standing before him. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because was, Saul was off to go and drag a few more Christians into prison. But he became, he got born again. He got completely transformed. One day he was the guy that went out persecuting Christians. The next day, he is the one that's being persecuted because he's preaching the gospel. That's the power of God to transform us. That's what it does. And you know... Um, one of the things we have to remember is that when we read this book, when we read the New Testament, it's a time of Roman occupation. They, you know, it wasn't sort of all floating around being lovely and having a great time. They had Roman soldiers. As they walked along streets, they'd see crucifixion, crucified people. You know, they, it was grim. It was gruesome. And the book of Ephesians, you know where I'm going, don't you, um, is written in prison. And Paul was probably quite lightly chained up to a Roman soldier. And he was certainly very familiar with the armour they wore. Now, Q. Martin, uh, could you please read Ephesians 6 in the New King James Version? Not any other 
funny version. It's got to be King, okay. King James, six, um, 10 to 20. Okay, all right. That's a bit more than that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Um, do you want to learn yes, yeah. a bit more? Yeah. And for me... The utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, in that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Great. Thank you very much, Martin. <clears throat> okay, so there's so much that... Oh, before we continue, can I have the picture, please? In glorious technicolour. There we go. There is our Roman soldier wearing the helmet, the breastplate, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, and his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that's what they look like, kind of. Um, and I don't want to leave us women out. So here is warrior princess coming up. That's good, isn't it? And uh, I love that. When, when God's warriors go down on their knees, the battle is not over, it's just begun. Yes. That's a good one, isn't it? I feel better now. Okay, so the first thing is, the first thing that it says is in the passage on Ephesians 6, it's firstly, be strong in the Lord. That's simple, isn't it? <laughs> be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. Um, in ourselves, we can be very weak. Paul writes... And 2 Corinthians, when I am weak, then I am strong. You've got to really think about that. And I've been thinking about this in these days, particularly now, really for the, all of our lives, but particularly at these times, we need a strong interior. And it says in Ephesians about being strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man and also building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do we get strong? By reading the word, by praying in the spirit. And secondly, put on the whole armour of God. Right, there's so much I could say about this, but I'm going to kind of go through some very quickly and some I'll spend more time on. Firstly, the belt of truth. This, this man called David Chadwick said this, the first piece of armour is the belt of truth. Every other piece of the full armour of God is attached to the belt of truth. If you don't begin with truth, you'll never defeat the enemy. And Jesus said, God's word is true. Truth. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? You know, there's a lot of lies about truth these days. And in Isaiah 59, 14, and by the way, read this chapter. I was just sort of 
doing a bit of research, and, and I, this came up, and that chapter is actually quite significant for now. Don't read it now, but you can come back to it later. But in Isaiah 59, verse 14, it says, Truth has fallen in the street. I thought, what an incredible statement that truth has fallen in the street. Um, I was looking for truth. Maybe, you know, maybe people listening um, are looking for truth. And I tried a lot of things. I, I went into astrology. I was, I was kind of really into it, big style. I could meet you and say, yeah, you're a Libra or you're a Leo or whatever. I mean, it, it was bizarre. And, and then I, I kind of got fed up with that. And then I went into yoga, getting a few nods at the back. Um, Christian science, which is a cult. And one day, my sister and I, we heard about transcendental meditation. We thought we'd go along. We were the only two people in the meeting. It was obviously really popular. And um, we were told that we had to pay a week's wages to get this little code word. It was basically the name of a demon that you were given to chant, and, but I didn't know that. So, I mean, we just walked out laughing. We, we didn't do it. But a week's money just for that. I can give you a Bible for free. And, you know... When I found Jesus, or when he found me, I found that truth is not a set of principles. It's not a dogma. It's not some vague, abstract, lofty idea. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. You know, Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so that's the belt of truth. We need that before we, we put on anything else. Let's get truth Let's get with the program. So the second thing is the breastplate or the body armour of righteousness. If you've been watching the news, and I'm sure you have about Ukraine, I'm so impressed with these journalists, I tell you, my hat off to them. They, they have on body armour and um, they cover their heart. Why do you have body armour? Why do you have a breastplate? To cover your heart, obviously, and your vital organs. But it's the breastplate of righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. That's what we're putting on. And when we go out, we've got to remember that. In ourselves, we're weak, but we can be strong in him. We need to, to put that on. The next thing is the gospel shoes, not blue suede shoes, gospel shoes. And research shows that the sandals, I don't know why they wore sandals. I mean, I'd, I'd be too cold in sandals, but... They had sandals, and they were often fitted with nails or spikes. Why was that? Anybody tell me. If you've got... Hey, help them walking, but also help them to stand. Um, because if you've got spikes, you can stand. I could imagine that you, you were standing so well that you couldn't actually move, and probably all these bodies lying around attached to their sandals. But it says... Um, Sorry, <laughs> it's just a, uh, I've got a very strange sense of humour. So it says about how we, can, how we should stand firmly. And in, in that scripture, in Ephesians 6, it talks about standing four times. You know, we're to stand, having done all to stand. What else can we do? Above all, the shield of faith. Now, the shield was big enough to cover the whole body. Um, it was made of wood covered with canvas and leather. But what an amazing thing was that they would douse these shields in water and then they would hold it up. So when the flaming arrows came, they would get extinguished. And that's the picture, that when we have the shield of faith, faith in Jesus 
and we hold that up, those arrows that come, and they believe me, they will, they um, will be extinguished. But, you know, the shield isn't just for us to be, oh, I'm protected, aren't that? Isn't that wonderful? But I'm sure a lot of you know that when the Romans had their shields, if they were lining up, all of the shields would interlock. And they had this fantastic thing. I mean, I should have got the clip. But anyway, they can move forward and then they can actually... So some would move forward. I can't remember what they call it now. But the, the, the ones in front would move forward. And obviously the ones behind would be shielding the back, the side, the side. And then some in the middle would hold their shields. So they could literally move forward um, completely covered, like a sort of early tank idea. So they were working together. And that's the point, isn't it, about now. You know, there's no place for lone rangers in the church, I don't think. I think we've got to work together. We've got to support one another. We've got to support our leaders and so on. And the leader said and the elder said, amen. Um, that was really loud. Um, thank you. Um, then it talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. Anybody wear helmets? Hopefully you do if you ride a bike. Yeah, I've got one person there. Good. When I was a kid, um, whenever, I, whenever I fell over, I always used to land on my head. I don't, I don't know why. Probably explains quite a lot. But I don't know why that happened, but it was always bang, you know. So when I got a bike, I think my parents were sort of, oh, my gosh, here she goes. And I think I might have had an accident, you know, on a bike, probably a few. Um, so when I was about 11 or 12, something like that, my dad marched me off to the bike shop to buy a helmet. It has to be the most embarrassing moment. I had this... He bought me... I mean, they weren't cool then. I mean, at least helmets are cool now. So I had this helmet. It was brilliant white, and it was about three feet tall. <laughs> I kid you not, it was horrible. And so I was sort of there, and it was, I don't know, like Marge out of The Simpsons or something. And it was just awful. And I thought, no, I can't. I call it the helmet of humiliation. Um, but it was actually to protect me. So I'm just going back to wa uh, watching the news. I was watching, you know, Clive Myrie and Lise Tissette, all these BBC guys who are amazing. And they were doing the broadcast about Ukraine and it kept going backwards and forwards. And then at one point, suddenly, Clive Myrie and Lise Doucette both had helmets on. I thought, oh, gosh, something's happening here. And they said they decided to put it on as an extra precaution because uh, of anti-aircraft fire. The danger has suddenly become very close and very real. Helmets save lives. You know, <clears throat> we, you've only got to look on the internet and just see how helmets save people's lives. They protect the wearer from injury. But why is it... Why is it called the helmet of salvation? Because if you're a believer in Christ, you're saved, aren't you? Yeah. Anybody agree? Yeah. Yeah. All in favour? Yeah. Good. Oops, taking you away. We're saved. We're saved from the power of, and penalty of sin. Why? Because Jesus took our sins to the cross and became our substitute. We have salvation because he died in our place. If he hadn't died in our place, we wouldn't be saved. So it's the helmet of salvation. We are saved. 
I'm sure there's a song like that. Um, Jesus died in our place. He defeated the devil. Praise God. He defeated sin and sickness and death. Um, You know, and the thing is that devil will always attack us on the identity of who we are in Christ, okay? And he said to Jesus, if you're the son of God. And to us, he says, are you really a child of God? Are you really a child of God? What about what you said yesterday? And what about how you behave towards that person? And sometimes, and you know, the ultimate, call yourself a Christian. Um, we can be barraged at times by temptation, by confusion, by fear. And sometimes it can seem like we're under this onslaught of doubt, depression, despair. Um, and many people fight not an external battle, but a battle of the mind. I've got to say that's been my biggest battle in my Christian life. Um, I've got to be honest, you know, and we've got to deal with this. So how do we deal with it? By wearing our helmet. I actually thought of it the other day and I was getting embarrassed. I thought, helmet of salvation. The helmet covers our mind. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and chapter 8, it says... But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I think that's amazing, the hope of salvation. And one thing the world is short of right now is hope, isn't it? Hope is the big thing. In a time of crisis, there has to be hope. You know, Zelensky is pouring hope into his people, just like Churchill did. 80 years ago. It was his words that put in hope. And, you know, while I was preparing this, and to be honest, I felt as if this was a main part of what I had to say. So I don't know whether it's resonating with people, but I feel like, you know, there's got to be a reason why this was on my mind. And, And maybe here or maybe online, there's people that are really battling their mind. And God wants to touch you today and to remind you, you can't fight that battle on your own. But the helmet of salvation, he fights the battle. He's the one that's procured your salvation. And when I was preparing it, I was thinking about, you know when you see these hard hat symbols? And, you know, it sort of says, warning to visitors and whatever, workers. You know, you are now entering a hard hat area. And I feel like we're entering a spiritual hard hat area. And we have to put on our helmet the hope of salvation. The good news in a time of crisis is that Jesus is our hope. He's our only hope. He is our hope. So the last one of of these is take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm not going to speak too long on that, but just to say, when the devil was tempted in the wilderness... And the devil said, make these stones into bread. Throw yourself off the temple. Do all these things. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to. It is written. So he he would say, he came back at the devil every time with, it is written. Um, Speak it out loud. You know, sometimes we can read the word and think, oh, that's nice. But honestly, when when I'm being barraged, I find the best thing is to speak out the word of God. Speak it out. Speak it out, say it, declare it. You know, I am a child of God. He's, he's purchased me with his own blood. There's so many words. Now, <clears throat> we've looked quickly at the, these six um, pieces of armour, but there's two that are often missed out, and one of them is prayer, and the other one is sharing the gospel. And we've, we've 
we all know we need to pray. Yeah. Nick, I'm really glad that you know that. Is that. Does anybody else know that we need to pray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Um, and to share the gospel. Active listener. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, you're a teacher. Of course, that's what it is. So praying and sharing are part of our armory. Let me just read this again. Listen to this, guys. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, so Paul's saying pray for everybody. Pray in the spirit. There's all kinds of prayers. If you read through the Bible, you see all kinds of prayers. There's petitions, there's supplication. <clears throat> but then he says, and I find this interesting, and I'd never kind of twigged about this, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul is saying, I want to share the gospel. Will you pray for me? People have gone out today to share the gospel. We prayed for them. That's what we need to do. Prayer and evangelism go together. Um, and he says he's in chains, still preaching the message as God ambassador. Pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Do you know, there's so much prayer. I'm sure you know it because you do it. Praying going uh, for Ukraine right now. And they are seeing some amazing miracles. I'm sure you've heard of some of them. Bombs not exploding, you know, things not happening that, that should do. Um, tanks running out of petrol and yet they've got enough fuel in there. Um, the desire for God and Bibles is unprecedented. And I read this on Premier yesterday. Workers from the Ukrainian Bible Society were distributing bread and medicines as well as Bibles. One man stood there with bread in one hand and the Bible in another hand. He said, I think that the Bible is more important than the daily bread for me personally now. I've never prayed before. I've never been to church. He was about 70 years old, never read the Bible, but he said he knew now was the time to come to God and be closer to God. Amen. How about that? Yeah. You know, so there's a guy that he may never have turned to God. So good news in a time of crisis. You know, sometimes a crisis, I, I, I wouldn't want to be there. Of course I wouldn't. None of us would want to be there. None of us want these people to go through this. But God can use it. God can do some amazing things. And people are getting saved. So let's pray for that. Let's pray that those Bibles get out. There's a shortage of them. Fancy having that, the daily bread and the real daily bread. So they need our prayers. At Alpha last week, um, as you know, we do Alpha at the moment, and we had the Holy Spirit uh, evening. And we had a re recommitment. Praise God. Yeah. <coughs> Rapturous applause. Um, so, <laughs> so we did it, but actually we didn't. We didn't do it, but God did. You know, God did it. But unbeknown to people at Alpha, bless him, Kevin, Kev, I should say, has set up a prayer group. Every week they pray for Alpha. I didn't even realise this initially. So he's sort of emailed people to say, join the prayer time. Fantastic. So I don't know who you are, if you're online or here, but thank you. Thank you that you're praying. And it's just as important, your prayers, as what we do. Absolutely, exactly the same. 
Um, now, people have gone on the street today, and Rose gave a, a testimony earlier. We've been doing some door knocking recently, uh, which Martin absolutely loves. He, yeah. he just... He just can't wait to get out there, can you, Martin? No, he's given me permission to say that. Um, we're doing this 411 training, which I think will, will obviously everybody, we want everybody to be involved, a way of caring for the community and sharing the gospel in a non-threatening way. Now, we always pray beforehand, but we were out on Monday and just sort of thought, hmm, it was okay, but there wasn't that... It just seemed dead, you know, and we were talking about it afterwards and we just felt there just wasn't enough prayer going on. We weren't praying enough and we we're going to spend more time in prayer. And one time, a few years ago, I can't remember when it was, but we had a small group of people praying here and the rest were out there. That's honestly, I can't say it enough. It doesn't matter what bit you do, it's so important. Every bit is important. Um, and just on that, actually, I just wanted to say that there's a bit in the Old Testament where, <clears throat> where David and his you know, mighty men, they, they've been beaten back by the Amalekites and the Amalekites have gone off with some wives and children and, and they're de devastated. So uh, David takes his 600, but 200 say, we're too exhausted. They were too exhausted to join in the battle. So David said, okay, that's fine. You stay at home, you stay here and guard our, our equipment and we'll go and fight. And then when they returned, the 400 returned and the 200 were there with the equipment. And some of the 400 thought, well, it's all right for you. You know, we, we fought the battle and what have you done? You've just sat around and, you know, watched Netflix or something. And... And it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. These men were totally exhausted. They had to pull back. They had to look after the equipment. So, you know, there are times when you can't do stuff, but you can do something. Even if, even if everything is taken away from us, we can pray. Okay. I just want to end, really, thinking about the crisis that Jesus met was greater than any crisis that we are seeing and just hours before, between the Last Supper and when Jesus went through the agony in the garden, his trials, the mocking, the scourging, and the horror of crucifixion, what amazes me about Jesus is that he says this in John 14, 1 to 2. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. There's more than enough room. If you're kind of out there and thinking, I don't think I belong here. Yes, you do. <clears throat> Jesus says there's more, more than enough room. And he also says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. He speaks of love and joy. But the most wonderful thing, and perhaps I don't know whether you've got that, John 14, <coughs> 16 to 18. Yeah, we're just going to, let's just look at this and we're going to read that. <coughs> so, Jesus says, this is Last Supper, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate 
who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Okay. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I think that's wonderful because uh, Jesus is just about to leave. He's just about to die and then he will rise again. But they didn't understand that. But what he's saying is, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And synonyms for the Holy Spirit are comforter, encourager, counsellor, helper. He's always with us. And another term for him is one called alongside. And I just we're going to watch a clip now from Alpha, just a short clip, which is showing us... Um, I think it's such a good illustration of this. If you can. Thank you. I read this story about a 24-year-old guy called Alan Anderson who was in a light aircraft. And there were only two people in the plane, this guy Alan Anderson and the pilot. And as they were flying, the pilot suddenly dropped dead from a heart attack. So here was this guy, no flying experience, on his own in this plane. Well, he managed to get out a Mayday emergency call, and a guy called Robert Legg, who was a flying instructor, responded to the Mayday call and caught up with him 2,000 feet above Penarth, near Cardiff in Wales. And at the same time, there was an amateur radio enthusiast called Howard Day, and he was listening into their conversation, and he recorded everything that they said. The first thing that Anderson said when he saw the instructor coming alongside was, I can see you. To which Legg, the instructor, said, Okay, just listen to my instructions. Take the throttle and pull it slightly until the RPM drops down to about 2,300. Anderson says, well, which is the throttle? So Leg replies, okay, there should be a black lever in the center of the panel. That's fine, just let the airplane fly itself. And Anderson goes, I wish it would. And then Leg says, read the airspeed. The airspeed's 105. Okay, well, look out to your right-hand side, you can see me, just relax. And then Anderson says, are we going down? And Leg replies, yeah, yeah, we are shortly, just bank gently to the right. We're aiming for that wide tarmac airstrip to the right of the red and white lights. Can you see it? Affirmative. Okay, we'll reduce the power slightly. What's your airspeed now? Uh, it's about 100. Okay, we'll pull very gently onto the control column and then close the throttle and just hold it there. Pull very gently back and hold it there. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold the control column back. That's it, okay, and relax. Now, on the rudder pedals, press the top of the rudder pedals and you'll find the brakes. Press both the rudder pedals together and you'll find the brakes. I can't find the brakes. Okay, don't worry, don't worry. The emergency vehicles are just coming up behind you. Just sit in the aircraft and leave the engine rumbling uh, and now turn the keys to off and then take them out. The engine should stop. Has the engine stopped? Yeah, the keys are out. Just stopping now. Oh, thank God. You're welcome. It's all in a day's work. There might be things going on in your life where you'd love someone to come and help. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who draws alongside us to be the encourager. I think that's a very, very powerful illustration of how um, the Lord sends his Holy Spirit to come alongside. And you may feel a bit like that. I don't think I could imagine experiencing piloting um, and the pilot dropping dead next to you. That would be kind of slight crisis, I think. But the man spoke him through it and he got him down and he, and he was saved, he was delivered, he was fine. And that's what um, the Lord wants to do. You know, I began this message and I was talking about the, about, uh, the denial of, of the Peter's denials of Jesus. But you know what? When, when Peter was, was um, impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter, you had a complete change, complete transformation. This man that denied that he even knew Jesus was the one that got up on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people got saved. And he preached boldly. He was completely changed. And church, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can change, that we can be who God wants us to be, to be transformed. Peter's personal crisis ended. He was restored by Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He became a strong, inspiring leader of the early church, but, because, um, but only because of the love and power of God. So, how about you? Could you, yeah, just something, <laughs> something gentle. No, I, I just seriously want to think about how this applies. Um, for example, I just want to say that, firstly, Maybe some of you, and some of you online, don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't. And that's the most important thing, is to know Jesus as your saviour. In the book of Joel, it says there are multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision. I wonder if that's where you are today, in the Valley of Decision. God is on the move in Ukraine. People, I mean, people are desperate but there's people that are coming to God. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want to sort of think we're okay. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But if there was ever a time to give your heart to the Lord, to get right with God, it's right now. Don't delay. And I'm going to read a prayer in a moment about that. Secondly, are you a Peter? You know, failure isn't final. Jesus saw the rock in Peter... He saw that this man could become something. And maybe that's you. Maybe you think, you know what? I'm not doing very well at the moment. I've not really followed God as I could have done. But you know what? You can because Jesus sees, he saw the rock in Peter. He sees gold in you. He sees gold in you. And then finally, there's a general sense, you know, that maybe you just need the power of God in your life. You just need to be encouraged in putting on that armour of God, of wearing the helmet, of, of realising that it's not you. We're, ne we're never going to do it in our own strength. We're not. You know, if you love Jesus, he wants to give you more. He wants to give you more of himself. So... 
I'm going to pray. Let's all bow our heads, shall we? And, um, and online as well. This is your moment. You know, it doesn't matter who's saying this. It happens to be me. It could be anybody. The point is, it's God that wants to reach you. It's God that wants to touch you. And I wonder if you really want to hand your heart to the Lord. I'm going to read this prayer now. And if you say yes to that, um, that's wonderful. So, so just maybe if I just read a line and then everybody uh, in church here today, could you repeat after me? And if you are saying this and you think, you know what, I really mean this, well, let's, um, let's, let's take some time on that. So, okay, I'll pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Just keep your um, heads bowed, please. And I just want to ask if anybody here, I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything embarrassing. But if you, if that is you <clears throat> this morning, that you want to give your life to the Lord, or maybe you want to recommit. I don't mean because you just feel like you've messed up. I mean a genuine, I really want to come back to the Lord because you've been far away from God. All I'm going to ask you to do is just put your, right, put your hand up. Put your right hand up, please. Nobody's looking about at all. if you're online today maybe you can acknowledge that in some way by um, by saying something on the chat or whatever or getting in touch with the church <clears throat> but if you thank you thanks a lot I've just seen somebody thank you thank you you can put your hand down God bless you is there anybody else one person's put their hand up is there anybody else here that wants to do that Thank you. Okay, secondly, this is for um, Christians that are here. Are you a Peter? Do you feel like you've messed up? Um, and I just want to say that failure is not final. And as I said before, Jesus saw the rock in Peter. And if you want to respond, you can respond today. He sees the gold in you. And the other area would be just that sense of needing to respond to the message. Uh, maybe you need empowering in some way. You love Jesus, but there's something that you don't have. Let's, let's be really reaching out and praying right now. And, and I, I'm just going to say, if you want prayer this morning, um, there's leaders here to pray with you. Please don't miss this opportunity. 
Okay, let's all stand and let's sing. And so if you have something to, to respond to, please, please come. I'm going to hand over to Martin. Just as... Uh...